Hello, everyone. This is Robert Gowan. You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast. I'm joined this evening by Mike Pritz, Susan Dayode, and uh, Rudy Lindsay, who we haven't seen in quite some time or heard. Uh, how you doing, Rudy? I'm still alive, Robert. I'm still alive. <laughs> it's good to hear, brother. Yeah, I'm glad that you're back from the business trip and that you're uh, back in the seat, in the driver's seat, that is. So we're going to be talking tonight about uh, coach versus mentor. And uh, if you're not already already in the what we call the the um, chat room or the live page on Mixler, that's MIXLR.com, be sure to join us at the Mentors for Military page on MIXLR.com. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, the live page we call chat room. You can get on there, ask questions of us. Uh, Rudy's going to be running that tonight on behalf of Scott, who uh, wasn't able to join us. And uh, we'll take your questions, your comments, and everything, and infuse those into the show as we can continue to go on. Uh, but uh, on the topic of uh, coaching versus mentoring, you know, when I was uh, <clears throat> talking to uh, Judy Wade, who many of you may remember from a previous podcast, uh, who's an executive coach, about the differences, um, a lot of things came up, you know, about how in a previous organization, um, there were challenging conversations about coaching, consulting, mentoring, and training. And many people at least get confused about the coaching and mentoring aspect of it. But I also found it interesting that consulting and training at times also um, somewhat gets confusing. And when you start breaking down the, 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 the pieces, now, of course, we're going to get into the coaching and mentoring piece of it. But just in context, to kind of give you an idea, <clears throat> coaching is really business-specific work-related um, whereas consulting is uh, business needs driven, mentoring is business and personal mixed, and training is skills, professional, personal development. And you're going to see a little bit of even that personal development stuff within the coaching aspect of it. So we're going to dive right into this show. Um, and for me, I, I, <clears throat> I want to talk about specifically, um, you know, about coaching and that um, I mentioned within my uh, book that I had written. Uh, master the transition that I had the pleasure of working with an executive coach um, during a program that I was put in for my last company who was very uh, influential and beneficial to me within my career of helping me uh, redefine or um, relearn or understand my passion and so I think that as a coach there's um, clearly opportunities that each of us have probably learned from that you could share about um, you know, some of the behaviors that you've found within coaching as a leader. Well, I, I think some of the stuff we talked about earlier in the week, particularly from a military perspective, Robert, and I'm sorry, I was, I was tardy. I was trying to multitask and I'm not very good at that. Um, maybe I need some coaching from you guys on that. But, but, um, you know, I think that a lot of times we use the terms kind of, um, simultaneously it I, I use coach teach and mentor and I mean the same thing um, understanding that that we're going to define them for for this podcast a little bit different uh, but a lot of times we we get confused or I get confused anyway between using the term mentor and coach uh, kind of interchangeably between a verb and a noun so to say that I'm mentoring surely uh, as a squad leader as a platoon sergeant as a team sergeant and a command sergeant major I've I've mentored a lot of people uh, but did I did I put the time and and uh, necessary to develop the long term relationships relationships to every one of them? Probably not. So I, I think that it, it bears to to define the difference between you know uh, verb and noun. If I am a mentor, uh, I can't be a mentor to a, a whole lot of people. 
but I can certainly uh, coach, train, and, and, and use the, the verb uh, term of mentor a little bit more. Yeah, so maybe it would be helpful to kind of uh, cover, you know, <clears throat> you know, that when you talk about a coach um, or, you know, what what is a coach and everything, it's really kind of a short-term partnership that's often kind of behavior change improvement focused. So the focus is on a specific goal, such as maybe it's delegation, listening skills, self-management, or personal style issues. Typically, in that type of setting, you know, it really becomes more impartial or non-judgmental, and it helps the individual kind of recognize their strengths and blind spots with the goal to really make and sustain agreed-upon changes between the person that's coaching and the person that's being coached so that they improve uh, the effectiveness or kind of accelerate the success of whatever that is that they've agreed upon. In many cases, it's management-driven. And Mike, you just mentioned about how as a manager you tend to do that. And it's usually, in this case, immediate manager that decides to either be the coach or designate somebody with immediate involvement. And, um, you know, it rarely ever provides instructions or advice. Instead, it's about challenging the person to think about the situation differently, time to reflect, arrive at their own conclusion and make better choices. And it, it can be done quickly, but usually within a few months or depending upon the scope of goals, either as a small group or as an individual. So I think one thing you're talking about that's that's very different uh, between a coach and a mentor is that it, it seems from that definition that a coach is there all the time. A coach is there in real time to, to watch the performance uh, to make corrections, uh, and kind of like what I said, as a squad leader at the small unit level in the military, or or you know in, in an industry, somebody who is a direct manager who can oversee to to try to bring some uh, direct improvement on a specific topic, where a mentor seems to be more long term, uh, less focused on a specific task, and more focused on the holistic individual. Development driven, yeah. Yeah, development driven. And when you so when you think about a coach, I mean the first thing that we think of by using that term or by using that title, you typically think of, you know, basketball coach, football coach, you know, or those types of things. And that's a actually a perfect example of what a coach is because when you think of a coach, they're usually trying to if you're in baseball, improve your batting skills and try to improve your pitching skills um, or, you know, your your play on the field and everything very instructional, very guided um, types of approach and everything at times, whereas a mentor would certainly be more about trying to build the relationship, uh, be very partial to the person a situation, uh, want them to succeed and offer advice and opinions to assist in that, which would be much different than maybe a coach would do. I have an example of a coach. Um, a couple years ago, our division hired a new vice president into our company, and first couple of months that he was there, he really developed a bad reputation amongst everyone. No one liked him. He was very harsh. He was very combative, um, used a lot of curse language and whatnot. And our company actually hired him a coach. And at first, the coach followed him around and spent eight hours a day with him every single day. But we didn't know that that person was a coach. We didn't learn until much later that uh, the first couple of months, the coach hung out with this guy every day. And then it became once a week, once a month, and so on. And basically the coach taught him how to talk to the rest of us to get to our level so that he understood that he couldn't scream at us, he couldn't swear at us, you know, we're in a production environment, and that he really needed to approach us differently than he was. It actually helped, and he just celebrated his five-year anniversary with our company. 
You know, that's a great example, and actually it almost mirrors uh, to the T the one that Judy described within the podcast that we did with her initially on executive coaching and such that um, she mentioned an individual that worked at the former company that the two of us shared. And uh, this person, I believe, was also a Marine and someone that... uh, Uh, was having difficulty in communication or at least people perceived that and again sometimes it's perception you mentioned in how that you were being perceived by your fellow you know peers and everything and associates there at the company you work with and carrying your your mannerisms and your shoulders and those types of things and so a coach can kind of help you through those types of challenges yeah yeah and and like I said it really changed him a lot Um, and so now he's offered to coach some of us and of course you know we're it it, I think the stigma has followed him because we knew him when he first started but uh it's been interesting to watch him evolve yeah and and, you know a coach is somebody too that can um, really help you in a professional setting because um it could be that you're now in a new role in a new position where you have to communicate in a different way and describe things much differently um, than what you did perhaps as a manager if you're now an executive or if you were an associate in a um, non-leadership role and more of an individual contributor and now you're in a management type of position um, maybe it's the style or the mannerisms in which you're doing that so those coaches can be very helpful in guiding you through those practices and those those steps and stuff to help you through those challenges and kind of think about different situations and I know for the coach that work with me I always had homework that came away from each session I mean I would sit down and I would talk with them and Um, my coach would guide me through some challenge or something that I was working on and then they would give me thoughts to kind of ponder on where I you know you kind of have the hmm yeah I didn't never think about that or yeah hmm I never I never thought about that approach and applying it in that way and then I would get a homework assignment that I'd have to take away and my responsibility was to think about three or four different things as an example of how I could better uh, or improve myself in ways of, let's say, communicating uh, with my associates, um, if that was the thing that I was uh, being coached on. And um, I would have to, you know, think about whatever it is that they gave me as an assignment. And then the next meeting when we got together, I would actually share what I had worked on as homework. And that would then stimulate something new. And from that would be a new um, homework assignment as well. So I learned through the process by them teaching me uh, and bringing up points that I'd never thought of as opposed to, um, you know, and making me think of the situation and stuff and try to draw my own conclusion in a lot of ways rather than, uh, you know, the hard, fast approach. So there's there's the executive style coaching or the private sector type of coaching that might be a little bit different than what we'd see as a baseball coach or a football coach, you know, too, or even the military uh, coach. Yeah, so if if coaching is performance-driven, I think that's what we're all saying, and mentoring is development driven. How do you know? Like, I can understand a, a performance-based task if you're getting coached in. You know, until you demonstrate that you understand that task or you're capable of, of executing that task, that kind of terminates that goal of the coach. But as for the mentor, since we're talking development long term, what? How do you how do you put a time cap on that? I think in a lot of cases there's not really a time cap and it's usually defined by the mentor or the mentee so it's um, you know in a lot of cases I have mentors that I still uh, pick the phone on and, and call and receive counsel or, or discussion in many cases they're just a sounding board 
Um, so I, I don't know that there's ever an ending date unless there's something kind of defined. But it also takes a longer, you know, I like to use the term runway, but it takes a longer path for us to earn the trust of that individual as well. Because I'm going to be sharing very detailed information about maybe if my, you know, my boss or my work environment that I'm in, my peer group, uh, the people I lead, and, and those types of things that I certainly wouldn't want, wouldn't want my manager uh, to be aware of, and that's where a mentor would be much different uh, too than a than a coach, because a mentor uh, would hold a lot of this in confidence. Gotcha. gotcha. So I, I don't. I think I, I think that the difference as well uh, is is that there's not that level of trust. You don't need that little level of trust with a coach, because you're looking for some specific feedback for a a specific uh, deficiency maybe in your character or your your performance, whereas in a mentor. You really need to develop trust because, like you just said, Robert, you're, you're sharing a lot of information that's going to help you uh, develop as a leader to make decisions. And maybe they've been through that in the past, and and they can help you to 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 go through that. Yeah, you know, they'll, the the mentor will really kind of challenge you and and uh, offer advice on how to kind of reach a, a conclusion based on their own experiences. So, like when I've mentored, or Mike, you've mentored, or Rudy and Susan, you've you've really kind of tried to share from your own past learning experiences, hopefully so that they don't make the same mistakes. That's part of the mentoring process is, hey, don't do as I did. Uh, let me kind of share with you what I kind of went through um, and some of the challenges and how I overcame them. And, and I think this story relates to what it is that you've asked me to, or you've approached me about, you know. And it could be a different situation each time Whereas with a coach, it's usually, you know, very defined as to what the role and responsibility is or what the meeting is for. How would, you come up with a, how, would, how would you come up with a plan for difference between a uh, coach and a mentor? You know, again, I think, again, the, the, the plan is more about depending upon the scope of the goals. It's going to have to be defined typically by the manager. And in some cases, the coach may be the manager. But the manager is going to define if it's, you know, if it's an improvement that or a behavior or something that needs to occur. They're going to say, these are the types of things that I need. And between the manager and the coach, this is the timeline that I need to kind of perform within. So I, I shared with all of you earlier in an email that I currently do not have a mentor per se. I've been in the private sector now going on nine years. Um, a lot of the people that are in leadership positions in the company that I currently work, I'm not particularly fond of. And I did ask a few fellow employees this week if they had mentors within the company most of them said no, but there was a couple that said yes, but the reason that they chose someone as a mentor in the company is because that person could help them through the political prowess, if you will, through the company and not necessarily um, long-term future of your goals or where you want to be in 10 years, but to just to help you deal with the politicalness of the company itself, which I thought was interesting because the political correctness of my company is what bothers me the most. And so I found correct? it interesting. Very politically correct. Yes. And so um, I really thought that being retired nine years that I would eventually 
turn into a civilian and that I would learn how to speak without the knife hand and I wouldn't curse and I, I would be, <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, and I would fit in, but I find that the older I get and the longer that I've been retired, the more I struggle with it. And I think sometimes maybe it's because I'm thinking about it too much, but also because I just have never felt very comfortable in the private sector. So when you all started talking about this subject, I thought, you know, I'm the perfect example of why I don't have one and I need one, but I don't know how to find one because I really don't know what it is I'm looking for. So I had talked to Amy a little bit. Yesterday was uh, what International Women's Day. And uh, so I started talking to some other people along with Amy. And I know that I had asked Scott and Mike about, you know, gender. Would I find a coach that's a woman? Would I find a, or a mentor that's a woman? Or would I find a mentor that's a man? And both of you came back to me and said that the gender doesn't matter. But for me, it does because I, I did some research with the help of Amy. And, and what I learned is 10% of all veterans are females, which is a pretty small number. So most likely the mentor that I find is going to be a man. It's not going to be a woman because they're just not a lot out there. Um, in 2007, there were about 100,000 companies in the United States that were owned by women. In 2012, there's about 384,000. Although it's growing and women are getting better in the business world and, and owning more companies and whatnot, we're still a very small number. So even though you say gender doesn't really matter, um, I think it matters to us, maybe more so than it should. I'm not sure. I don't know the us right answer women? on that. What's that? Sorry, us meaning women? Yes. Like so, okay. earlier I had um, emailed, you know, Scott and Mike and, and the group, and and they, I asked the question, you know, like should I find a, a mentor that's a woman or a man? And they both said it doesn't matter. Um, but I don't think women have that luxury per se. It's most so, likely going to be a man because there's so few women out there in the private sector. Yeah, well, so, I mean, there, there's women, just women mentors out there. Though. I, I think what Scott and I were getting at is it didn't matter to us. And, and in that conversation, you know, we, I don't think either one of us answered it from your perspective. Of course, I, I answered it from a male perspective. And I've, I've being in an all-male branch my entire career, uh, I, I've been limited to having all of my military mentors as being men. I, I've had no other option. Uh, I have some great colleagues in, in other assignments that were, were women, and I've got all the respect in the world for them. And so as I move forward into the private sector, uh, to me, uh, it's, it's, less, it's less important than it is to you, I think. I am looking for someone who is competent and who is successful to, to show me the keys to succeed in that industry. And, and I, I, to me, I don't care. Uh, I, I understand where, where you or a, or a female service member who's transitioning certainly certainly would care, and, and probably more importantly, uh, be more comfortable with a, with a female, uh, simply because we're talking about a long-term relationship and developing trust, and I, I think that may be easier to do. Uh, whereas from a male perspective, I, I think it could go either way. You know, I never right. really thought about it that way either, though, Mike, because I, I had a female mentor that was um, one of the best mentors that I had. And she was a friend and a confidant, uh, too. Um, <clears throat> and, and I never really thought about um, her as a woman. 
I never really thought about um, her even as a minority. I never thought about, you know what I mean? I You just don't think about those things. To me, it was um, that she was the perfect example or the perfect person that I needed at the time to be a mentor and uh, was a wonderful mentor at that. And um, I think it really comes down to, and this is just me, but I think it comes down to you, Susan, or a person as an individual selecting who they believe to be the best mentor and it may be that sex doesn't uh, play into it uh, but it may be that that's something that's very important to you and if it is very important to you in, in selecting a mentor then I think that's what you got to kind of focus on I think it all leads to being comfortable right right so Absolutely. you have to yeah. be comfortable with the mentor right and so you know you all are most of you green berets. I don't think I would ever ask a green beret to be a mentor because I, I just, even though I served for many years, knowing the world that you came from is much different than the world I came from. And so I had this barrier in my head thinking that you would never understand where I'm coming from because we came from two different worlds, even though we were both in the military. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of, but you hurt their feelings too. No, uh, you don't hurt my feelings. Not at all. My, my last assignment, <laughs> you know, I had an MSOC that worked for me in Lebanon. Uh, I, I'm very comfortable working around Marines. My operations officer was a was a Marine Corps major from MARSOC. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I've got a I, I've got a great respect for for all of the service members I've worked for or worked with. Uh, in the Pentagon, I had you know it, it was a I was on the Joint Staff. So I had people from the Navy, Air Force, uh, Army, and Marines all working on the same staff together, all, all men and women, all working toward a common goal. And for me, that was like the first time in, you know, in a 30-year career, I was at 25, 26 years, that I'd, I'd experienced that. Uh, and maybe that was eye-opening to me. But, but again, I, I think, and I think it's from my perspective as a male, I think that's the difference in what we're talking about. Um, I'm comfortable with whoever is going to going to mentor me. Amy has been talking about it in the in a chat room. You know that that it's it's a lot different uh, approach for a for a woman to take, and I can I can completely understand that because it goes back to being able to develop common ground, to have trust, and and to develop a long term relationship. And if you're if you're hesitant about that simply because um, you don't see eye to eye or or, or you're a little intimidated about each other, doesn't matter which one, uh, then you're not going to develop that relationship. Absolutely. You don't right. have that bond there. Yeah, I think it's it's identifying with the individual. Um, and if you're someone that, you know, that is looking for a certain type of uh, industry or position or um, <clears throat> then you may want somebody that's going to relate to you more in, from the, the side of, you know, gender as well. Um, so I can certainly see it you know, I, I think, you know, getting back, Rudy, to kind of your question about, you know, what, what the timeline is and how they kind of go about doing that. Um, I think, uh, you know, it really is about documenting a work plan for uh, a coaching side of it and a regular one-on-one -on -one meetings, uh, whether uh, mentoring is not, you know, it's not really formal. There's no work plan. It's kind of fluid, open-ended. And, and that's kind of what I was referring to. And in selecting the right one, it usually is somebody that uh, is a trusted advisor uh, and somebody, as we're talking about, that you can kind of believe in uh, that has something identifiable to share or something um, that you can connect with. And for me, you know, not coming from the minority side, you know, not coming from being a woman, 
I, I guess I just kind of look at it as what kind of fits that, who's going to help drive that, you know, the way I'm kind of looking for. And I've had mentors on both sides. Um, so it it's, I, I totally respect that though. Yeah. So as I've been going through and asking myself questions, you know, I want a mentor, I need a mentor, um, but I don't know really how to find one. So how, you know, and I don't know if I necessarily want one within my company. Do I look outside of my company? So I would ask the three of you, what are your thoughts on, you know, how do you, and I'm sure any person coming out of the military, whether they serve four years or 20 years, are going to ask the same questions. You know, I, sure, I can go back and talk to the colonels and the majors that I worked for, the sergeants majors or whatever the case may be. But if I want to learn how to be good in the private sector and be a good communicator and a good employee and all of that in the civilian sector, how do I go about finding a mentor? Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with you start looking at the folks within your network or the people that are around you that you know already and that you trust. <clears throat> and they're typically the first tier of people that you go through. Um, because more than likely when you start thinking about those individuals, there's somebody there that's a mentor. Now, for some people, they feel like a mentor has to be in the career that they're in or in the job or in the industry. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe that that is a criteria, but, um, there, again, there are people that that's what they're looking for. It depends on you, Susan, what you're looking for within that criteria. Are you looking for somebody that is going to be in the career that you're looking for or seeking in the future, um, then you're going to start narrowing your options as to whom it might be that you can reach out to and um, ask to be a mentor. Um, you know, I think, um, again, I think it comes down to who are the people, though, that you could probably build a relationship rather quickly. <clears throat> it's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of organizations that say we're going to establish a mentorship program. And Susan, your mentor is now going to be Rudy, Len Rudy Lindsay. And Rudy's like, well, I can take on five mentor or uh, mentees uh, within the course of a month. So, uh, you know, well, okay, Mike, you too, Robert, you're going to be part of, uh, you know, Rudy's clan. It, that happens quite often. And what ends up happening is that you don't feel like this person could be the mentor or that you can trust them and everything. And especially if they're in the same work environment, working for the same company. Because then you may be sharing things that are going on within your personal or professional life that you don't want advertised to your manager or to other people. So that's, that's exactly one of the right. first keys. So our company has that mentor program. And so when I started asking other people, do they have a mentor within the company, they were like, oh, you should sign up for the program. And I just kind of sat there and went, I don't want to sign up and be assigned someone to me. Right. I want to find someone. You know that what I they, you know they do, though, of. Susan? Do you know what they do for the for the criteria? Uh, how to match you you up with your mentor? No, that, there that is no. Definitely look into. If yeah, definitely. I need to do that. I was too afraid to go into the area and even ask the questions because I didn't want to be assigned somebody. Well, even but then, you, and you know. then you can. I mean, it's still important to ask the questions. You always ask. You know, what's in it for you? I mean, you're the you're the one that's seeking this uh mentorship uh and if they offer it through the company you know by all means go forward and say hey i'm i want to i want to step up i want to figure out i want to find out more about this i don't i don't know what it is exactly and i have some questions and, and just get going from there and then if they i i would not think that they would just randomly assign you someone 
without meeting some kind of uh, criteria beforehand. Um, so you have some similarities in job or scope or, or some functional purpose there. But uh, definitely ask the questions, you know. And if, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. At the end of the day, you can terminate it and, and seek, seek uh, elsewhere if you need to. Yeah, I think you're going to have to gauge the individual that's been selected as your mentor, if that's the case. And, and it's maybe there is a rigorous, you know, formality that they go through in trying to determine the best mentor within the organization. But then I still feel like um, when it is that way, you're probably going to hold back somewhat <clears throat> because you may be evaluated or, you know, whether or not you're being evaluated, you you or you think you're being evaluated, you might be evaluated just based on the individual's connection with your current manager uh, with other leadership people, if they happen to be a peer to maybe your boss's boss uh, or somebody like that that's been assigned. And I can speak from my own experience. I had this occur to me within a program that I was selected into. Um, <clears throat> there was really less than the top 1% of the organization um, that goes to this program that I was in. And um, I was assigned a mentor. And, and I wasn't a real big fan of that because I felt like some of the challenges that I was having, um, I didn't want shared. So I felt like an internal mentor um, might share my, you know, faults, weaknesses, my challenges, however you want to put it, um, with my supervisor or my manager. And that, those are the, some of the things I was concerned about. And so I unfortunately was given a mentor that was outside the organization. The program might still be that way that they have within the training funds or um, HR funds capabilities to utilize uh, mentors outside the organization. Certainly something to check into. I will ask and get back to you. Yeah. So I, I, I would say that um, of the mentors that I have, I would consider them all informal mentors and it's not part of a specific program. Um, and it wasn't that I signed up for anything. Uh, it's that at a, a particular point in my career, there was something that was lacking in my own professional development. It wasn't available through the military's, you know, professional development schools. It wasn't available through uh, performance counseling. And we all know as we get higher and higher in rank, we generally don't get counseled as much as we did when we were younger. Uh, so I would seek, I would seek out uh, people, and and not just uh, at, at various different ranks, right? I would seek peer mentors. I would seek superior mentors. But there are two guys, to me. That have have always been there, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna break my mentors down from what I'm doing now to what I did in the military into into two groups, uh, to to kind of answer what you were talking about a little bit ago, Susan. With do you know how, how do you separate what you're doing now with the ones that you had in the military? Is as I think that those two guys that to me have coached me through, or I, I shouldn't use that word even should I, um, have mentored me through a lot of leadership challenges. Uh, these two individuals, I have gone to each one of them at every leadership position that I assumed, and I would I would open it up for a discussion and say, hey, at, at this point, uh, I'm taking over this level of organization, and first of all, I'm just looking for advice. What do I do on day one? You know, what do I do when I'm dealing with my commander? What do I do if I'm dealing with all the subordinates? And and you know, I know that it's not anything different than what I've done before, but it's that over the course of several years. I have developed a relationship with those two individuals that I trust them so much that on day one, before I assumed responsibility, I wanted their opinion. And, and then at various times during those positions, I would go back. So those guys 
are, are two guys that I still stay in contact with. One of them I talked to yesterday. Uh, and, and it's I, I will bounce things off of them. I will use them as a sounding board, like Robert said earlier, uh, for, for various situations. A lot of them deal with my retirement anymore, right? They don't deal with what I'm doing uh, in the private sector. They deal with my retirement because they've been through those things that I I haven't been through yet. So I still use them as a functional mentor, but I also use them as a personal mentor because to me, mentorship is more about growing as a person, you know, as a father, as a grandfather, as a, as a citizen. Uh, it's as much about that as it is about, you know, overall performance. And then the other group that I've, I've reached out to and I've recently developed out of, out of uh, my new network that I'm, I'm building uh, are people who are successful in that career field. And, and I don't work for them directly, but through this network, I've been able to, to make some friends and some contacts and I've picked people at various different levels and I've just, you know, I, I'm doing what Green Berets do. I, I build rapport. I start, you know, that, that, that at the ground level and I, I develop the relationship and through that, I start learning. Uh, so I think what I'm trying to say is from my perspective over, over both categories of, of mentors that I'm. I, I'm approaching. Uh, it's all focused on me, uh, and I'm going to use the word because Robert told me I could. It's on the mentee, right? So yeah. there, there's a lot of responsibility on the individual who's being mentored. Uh, it's not all hey, it, it, it's it's not all give and take. I've got to establish the relationship. I've got to provide something to that relationship in order for it to build and the trust to continue over over the next several years. So I, I mean. You, you, you brought it up earlier, Susan, about which side do you go on. I, I think we keep them on both sides, and I think they both have value. You know, for me, I, uh, I'll share that I, I had a mentor in the very early stage um, of my career that I was only an E4, as a matter of fact. And I, I think in both cases, by the way, I never uh, – and, Mike, maybe your case was different – we never formally introduced ourselves as he or she is the mentor. Um, they just became a mentor, you know, strictly just based on the knowledge, the age, the wisdom, um, what they were sharing. It was very obvious to both of us. It wasn't like, all right, we're going to go into a mentoring session today. You know, it was more of a conversation. And I can tell you that the first individual when I was in E4 was an E7 he was actually my boss, but one of the biggest mentors that I had ever had and most profound individuals that I've had not only in my military career, uh, but actually throughout my whole life. And um, I probably only worked for him for 15 to 18 months. But the, the impact that this individual made on me um, has been what I have used throughout my whole 21-year military career and then my you know, 15 years or so in the private sector, the lessons learned within those time frames of his mentoring has been that impactful. And then I've had mentors, as I mentioned earlier, that I've gone to to share, um, you know, as a sounding board or people, again, who gave the wisdom, some of which were basically the same age as me or maybe a couple years uh, older than I were, but they had blazed that trail of whatever it is, like you're talking about, Mike, whether it was education or whatever. To me, it was they had blazed a trail within the private sector. They understood corporate America. They understood, you know, the challenges that I might be going into. And they became the new mentor. Um, and, and again, Susan, I think that might be a little different than, you know, what Mike described and what I described in terms of a formal approach. Um, but I, it, it still is a mentor and 
a person being mentored, um, you know, approach and how things are being handled. I would take it one step further and, and tell you uh, that the two individuals I talked about from the military, if you went to them today and asked them if I was uh, a mentee to them, they would probably tell you no. Uh, because it was never formal, it was never structured. But if, if you, I, I could definitely do it. I could, I could outline all the times over the last 10 or 15 years that I have sought them out for advice uh, on, on sometimes specific and sometimes much broader, more developmental issues. And, and they always took the time to spend whatever time it was with me. Uh, and, and one of them was active and one of them was retired from the military at the time. So, and, and, and you know, I, I would do it today for a guy. And I've got a, I've got a, a handful, probably more than a handful, but um, a, a core group of, of guys that, that have come up under me and they're all in very senior leadership positions now, that if they called with a question, um, I, would, I would take whatever time they need to help them through it. And if you asked me if I was their mentor, I'd probably say, no, I'm just a good friend who's trying to help them out. And I think that's the way my two mentors yeah. would probably look at our relationship. Great. Yeah, same in my case as well. So I, I think sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to be a um, – certainly mentorship is not supposed to be a structured environment. That's the whole idea of it, that a coach is and a mentorship uh, relationship is not. Um, and, you know, that's this is where you kind of, again, share your experiences, help the individual by opening doors. Uh, you're helping them get connected perhaps with your own network, um, those types of things um, that a, a – a coach typically wouldn't and so when you're selecting that individual i think you have to be very um aware of the individual that you're deciding is going to be your mentor and and i think what's interesting in both of our cases is neither of us really mentioned that it was a title that was given it wasn't a right that was handed there wasn't a baton you know there wasn't anything that happened there but there was definitely mentoring that was occurring and even today, I find it uh, interesting, you know, because when you think about a mentor, you typically think about somebody who is older or wiser. I actually have an individual that worked for me many years ago that I probably would think of as uh, very much a mentor in many cases that I bounce ideas off of that's a sounding board as well and uh, helps along with that case. And <clears throat> I think in a lot of cases, uh, this individual is an advisor or a mentor on many levels, and they may not even understand that they're actually fulfilling that role. Um, and, and they're actually, you know, a couple years younger than I am. Um, so again, I, I think it, it comes about in so many different ways. Maybe what we can also talk about here is that, you know, one of the things when you're consider seeking a coach is that you try to find somebody that you're typically trying to improve your effectiveness as a manager, as a leader. Or you're not meeting expectations, but you have potential and aspire to succeed. You seek a coach when you're wanting feedback for improvement and need support making the change. Or <clears throat> when you're in, introduced to a new role, organization, or situation, as we talked about. And Or just maybe assistance in adapting to a new additional responsibility. But you seek a mentor when you're wanting to be developed as a leader or as part of succession planning. Or when you want advice and lessons from experience from an admired role model or when you're trying to remove barriers that hinder your success or to be more completely developed in ways that are additional to the acquisition or of specific skills or competencies 
and and you kind of want to balance the professional and personal side of it. These are people that again are going to be wise, maybe not necessarily by age, but some people are wise just in general. And when you think about those individuals, um, they can become a mentor and um, it can, they can really take on different shapes, sex, everything. You may not even really be trying to define it. And if I think if you go into the situation trying to put it in a box, you might not really come out successful in, in the mentor side yeah. of it. I say, I say, Susan, I say the first step is to, is to identify what you think you want to be mentored in and, and kind of outline that for yourself before uh, I remember you said the uh, HR uh, and your company provides that that service, but before you even go to them, you know, out, sit down and outline your, for yourself kind of what you think you want to be mentored in, and then um, bring that uh, to the meeting when you when you go and meet these folks. Yeah, and I've made notes, and I'm, I'm yeah. but I want to, I guess, narrow it down because I can't go yeah. in there with 20 subjects and say I want to be mentored on all of these things. I've got to narrow it down to the things sure. that I think will make me most successful. Sure. Um, it, if you don't mind sharing, I'd love to walk you through some of it. Um, it, it it'd be fairly easy to kind of give them all a, a, a capping title, you know, and, and you can walk into into the uh, meeting with that agenda, um, right? And just get their perspectives on it, and, and who knows? You know, I don't I don't know what they what they provide or what they offer, but uh, at least you're going into it with a, with some semblance of a plan, right? Yeah, you know, and um, at, at Mentors for Military, part of the things that we're trying to do in, in our services is offering mentoring as a uh, an option in the services. And certainly mentorship, again, is one of those things. I really, I, I created the company because mentoring is something that's very dear to my heart. And it's different than coaching. Although we offer executive coaching or coaching as well as mentoring, I think uh, the mentoring aspect of it is one that you have to choose your mentor. You have to choose the individual you think is going to give the wise um, and trust and is going to be the confidant and the individual that you feel like you can share and they can actually give you feedback that's going to match what you're looking for. Because if you're out there trying to find, again, I think if you're really struggling trying to find a mentor, you're going to stumble on a a bunch of you know into a bunch of people that may have the wear the badge think they're a mentor uh may be able to think they can provide assistance or whatever but the reality is um they're still not going to meet what you're looking for so think about the criteria of what you're looking for in a mentor and then you might be surprised that those people are already existing and around you in your network as i mentioned earlier um so we talked about, you know, when to consider, uh, you know, a, a coach or a mentor. Um, and we talked a little bit about the differences between the two. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a mentor is one of those things that really requires time, as we talked about, because the focus is really about building the relationship and um, certain type of, you know, ways to kind of match your process and what it is that you're wanting to do and make, make sure that the trust is there they got to be willing to offer advice and options to assist. Um, and uh, that's different than perhaps a coach, as we mentioned before, that's more goal-oriented, um, agreed-upon changes, and those types of things. So you, you've got to make sure that when you go out and you're seeking a mentor that you're understanding the difference between, again, the coach and the mentor or what their role should be. Yeah. Absolutely. we got some got some activity um on the chat room 
basically, a question is: how, how do you accept going from from being a mentee to a mentor? How does that transition happen? I think it actually happens uh, quite naturally, where you'll have an individual yep. that uh, may not realize that they're actually just finished talking or counseling an individual um, in a mentoring role. Um, yeah. and, Mike and gave an example of that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, Mike, I think that you know, like you, uh, we probably both had situations where um, we didn't even realize that we were the uh, the mentor when we were um, counseling or talking to an individual. And yet somebody may have referred to us later on that way. And I think that's what I said about, about the two individuals that have mentored me through so many things. Uh, but to answer uh, Ryan's question in the chat room, I, I think it's very natural, just like you said, Robert. Um, I think that uh, particularly in a military environment, you know, we'll, we'll generally move up into uh, different positions that, that kind of by nature place us in a position to be available as a mentor and as as somebody seeks out some counsel or some advice I think it's uh you know if you if you if you allow the time to do that uh, then people will start seeing you more and more as a mentor that's how the two people that I consider mentors uh, received me that's how I've tried to receive people uh, in my own uh, time as a mentor to others and I think that it's a not a transition. It's not a transition because I've never relinquished the mentors that I've had. I think we all need them for, for professional development and for personal development. Uh, but I, I do think that once you've you've experienced it and you've been you've been helped through some challenges and you've developed and you've grown, that it's only natural that you start providing that back. Isn't that what we're all doing here on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And so, you know, I mean, you know, a, a, an effective mentor really is about understanding what their role is to be dependable, engaged, authentic, tuned in to the needs of the other person being mentored. You're not all in it for yourself. It's not about, again, that fancy title of being, hey, I'm a mentor to five people or seven people or, or whatever the case may be. So maybe it would be good to kind of talk about some of the traits of a mentor. You know, when we talk about what a, a, you know, Riverside's Webster New College Dictionary defines a mentor as a wise and trusted teacher or counselor, but when you think about the traits, you're thinking about somebody who's open to disclosing their own vulnerability and engaging in open communication. I think that's really important because when you're talking about um, trying to mentor another individual and you're talking about giving your wisdom or you know, guidance and everything, you've got to be vulnerable and open in sharing things that were maybe not as fun uh, in some situations to talk about. Um, and it may be um, very challenging for you to even bring them up, but you got to be willing to share that information on your own challenges and how you overcame them. You got to be able to, to, you know, to realize that respect is always an earned commodity and it's never something that's simply expected or demanded. Um, and many of the same things we do in everyday life to help others are similar to the things that we do in the role of a mentor, as we're talking about. You know, I know for myself, I find it easier to be the mentor than the mentee, obviously, or I wouldn't have brought this up in such a public forum. Um, and I do have Marines who call me quite often, who I called my kids in the Marine Corps. They were my admin clerks, and they're now getting ready to retire. They're now gunnies and master sergeants, so I'm showing my age. Um, so I've been able to give them advice on how to transition from being a Marine to being a civilian. So I, for myself, I find it easier to be the mentor. Yeah, and I can, I can understand that. I mean, because, again, that may come down to... Uh, 
being vulnerable. Uh, you may be willing to be vulnerable in terms of saying or sharing um, your challenges because you're needing the advice. You're wanting to move to the next level. You're wanting to move forward and everything. But yet when it comes to wanting to, you know, you may be willing to do that to others in your own vulnerability, I should say. But yet when it comes to um, how you are uh, in you, you're 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 probably wanting to make sure you pick the right person is what it sounds like to me. You're wanting to pick, you're wanting to put that person kind of in a box and label them and say, this is the, this is the individual that I kind of see as the, um, the perfect mentor for me. And it doesn't always fall that way. Um, right. You know, maybe I should hire all of you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a possibility. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> You know, so maybe, you know, one of the things we can do is kind of talk about, uh, you know, I mentioned the traits, but maybe the responsibilities too, is that as a mentor, you really can't, you're not supposed to do any harm. You're not supposed to, you know, we're supposed to make sure that we are helping other people in uh, their mentoring, in this mentoring process. So uh, by sharing different points of view, to understand an issue or problem from as many different ways we can think about uh, offer you know honest and positive feedback um, you know sometimes the truth hurts and uh, you, you kind of want to help them through um, tailor your remarks so that the you know your your understanding that the individual is um, really come to you in confidence and so you've got to make sure that you're okay with you know what you're sharing with them and that you're not going to upset them and, and uh, you know again think about your remarks um, you know, understand kind of the scope of what it is that the mentees wanted to do. Be sure to stick to the, those areas and, and and don't try to get out of what you know about, too. So, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, uh, you know, I've got this problem, don't go way out of the box and try to think you understand it. Maybe the best thing to say first off is, listen, um, I don't know how to relate to you in that uh, regard or, you know, the, the, some of the challenges that you're facing. However, I think maybe I had something that happened to me similar, and you can kind of tell me whether or not uh, that was something that kind of relates, uh, but never make the, you know, never jump in and, and on a situation certainly you know nothing about and try to offer advice. It, it just never works. It's not going to be genuine for one thing. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be genuine. You touched on something right there. You could tell. You could see through fake right away. Well, um, and you know, it's, it's, not, it's not 100% problem solving. You know, you're not going to come to your mentor to be told what to do to get through a particular situation. You know, it should be developmental. It should be, you know, long term, like we've talked about before. And I think I think that if you if you're just telling people hey, how to fix it or, or what the solution is, well, you're not mentoring at all. You know, you're 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 actually just taking over. So kind of kind of like what we've all been talking about, the people that have done that for us in the past haven't haven't really said hey do this do this do this but it's situation dependent and and like robert just said it, it's great to give an example of when you were challenged in the past and how you dealt with it so that the person who's who's the mentee can say look i understand that he's had a challenge i figured it out um or he figured it out and and i can apply some of the same principles but maybe not maybe not the same exact decision yeah. hey, so i got a question i got a question for all you guys um and you too susan so I used, I, I used to shoot people in the face, and how do I come to uh, someone within the business sector now um, and address the need for a mentor or even uh, 
getting past that, uh, the fact that I shot people in the face uh, mindset uh, and, and realized that having a mentor would help me in a way. How does uh, one I get was, over that, that big hurdle? I was really lucky, Rudy, and, and, yeah. and that I had, again, I, I, was, I was very broad in developing my network and where I wanted to go when I retired. Yeah. Um, and, and, and fortunately, just about everywhere, there's one of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and one of us has already done it. And I don't mean an SF guy. I mean somebody in the yeah. military, a retired guy, or somebody who's who's done their time and separated and have been successful. So that's where I initially looked. I looked for guys like us uh, who had who had been successful in the military, and and you know, one of them happened to be an old uh, uh, buddy from a company. Um, one of them happened to be uh, one of my kids' wrestling coaches. You know. Yeah. Who, who through our own development over years, we shared a lot of experiences because he had uh, he had been in the military several years ago and he gotten out very young and he's very successful in the industry that I'm going into, and, and so I from from two different perspectives I was able to to get two different opinions on on my approach to that particular field, sure. uh, and then I was fortunate because my wife happens to work in the industry, and and she made a couple of introductions. And those people were happy to talk to me because, you know, everybody loves veterans. So they were happy to talk to me. And 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 through that initial talk, again, to me, it's Green Beret stuff, man. It's build common yeah, ground. Yeah. It's build rapport. It's develop relationships. And that you just come back and have a cup of coffee. I think a lot of guys and, are going to struggle with that, though, Mike. I think they're going to be very resistant to the idea of having a mentor, even though I mean, I've, I've got thousands of examples, uh, very similar yeah, to the example yeah. you, Robert both gave. and. Especially in the military, um, you know, we've we've all encountered that at some point, and, and have looked up to someone and and, and seek guidance and received it uh, outside of the realm of coaching. Um, but so I'll, I'll take it from a different angle then. Sure. I, we, particularly in our branch, we come, we, we we have very specific skill sets where we employ our interpersonal communication skills when we're very uncomfortable in those environments. Right? I mean, that's what what kind of you and I work on on the side now. So I think that if you if you employ those interpersonal communication skills that we, we make all of our guys develop, and, and I, I tell everybody this goes back to when I was a kid and my dad used to make me uh, greet three people at church. I had to go up and shake their hands and I had to say hello and, and carry on a conversation. And when I was 12 years old, uh, that was very difficult for me. Intimidating, it, yeah. It, it was intimidating. And I got to throw props out because, you know, my dad always listens to these things. So that that helped me. <laughs> When I was 12 years old, uh, greeting some of the men at church helped me be a better Green Beret. And, and it's the kind of things that when I work these exercises, I try to help these guys. You know, I put them in some challenging situations and, and they've got to work through their interpersonal communication skills. So when you're uncomfortable, um, and we all are, if we're not used to just striking up a conversation with another another person who we're unfamiliar with uh, in a restaurant, um, Man, you gotta you gotta develop common ground. And, and I talked about I talked about Dale Carnegie's book on a couple of podcasts ago, how how he gave examples in um, how to win friends and influence people, of a salesman walking into somebody's office, and and not he gets one minute right, and he's got to make his pitch in one minute, and instead of making his pitch, he looks at something in the room, and he steers the conversation toward that a picture of family. A football, Robert. There's a football behind you. I probably used that the last time we talked about. Yeah, Carnegie. you did. But, but you know, <laughs> but you, it's true. You yeah. Look, you look around the room, and then you talk about that specific thing, and you yeah. you start there. That's common ground. Um, and That's what a lot of salespeople. Ground, 
Salespeople well, do that. Right. Well, that's what it is. It's one yeah. minute becomes five minutes, becomes an hour, becomes a relationship. And and I think if you're looking for a mentor, it may be uncomfortable uh, initially, Susan, right? But but pick somebody who's successful around you or, or even outside. It's unintimidating to your specific area. And, and just have a cup of coffee, man. You know, I, nobody's intimidated over a, a good cup of coffee. I had a great one this morning with a, an old friend. And, and I think that through that, uh, you just have a conversation. And it, out of the conversation comes common ground. And then information and questions start to happen. And then you've got a mentor. And it, it's not formal. You didn't really seek it out. You're just looking for some someone to talk to and then next thing you know you've got people to bounce big ideas off of. I can't tell you how many times that I've actually um you know gone into a situation with the associates that work for me and trying to be in a mentoring type of role. Um you know through my counseling and discussions and stuff with them um try to be more of a confidant, try to be more of a mentor, but then I have to also let them know that, you know, you really probably should look for a mentor. And if it's me, that's great. If it's somebody else, that's fine, too. But, you know, a mentor is, is an individual that you can kind of really trust. You may have run across the types of people that Mike's described, Susan, and that I've talked about and Rudy's talked about as well. That um, and, and you're not alone. I mean, we're talking to you, but it's sort of like, you know, um, last week with, uh, you know, Ron is that um, or Sunday with Ron is that um you know, your experiences are very uh, much like others out there. Um, when they hear the term mentor, they start looking for, you know, for that label. They start looking for somebody who actually has that on their, their shirt, their badge, you know, Robert Gallon, mentor. You know, and, and you're probably not going to find that individual. But then when you start breaking it down, as we've mentioned, what a mentor is and what a coach is, and you start looking for them, I bet now you can probably start spotting individuals that are mentors, that are coaches, that are right in front of you, but you've never really thought about them that way. And if you, if you, if you haven't, uh, if you don't have that kind of network or people that you're, you kind of think about, then that's the first thing is start looking in your network and maybe you need to build upon your network. Um, and then you can start identifying those individuals who might be coaches or mentors within that network. And I think all of it, all of the things that you've talked about in the last podcast, you know, like you say, you got to introduce yourself. You've got to talk to people. You got to have that cup of coffee, right? You can't be the fly on the wall like I love to be. Um, I think I'm very, um, the very typical woman veteran who never wants to identify herself as a female veteran because there's stigma attached to that. And so I've always, you know, just kind of been the fly on the wall but all of those things are all encompassing they're all kind of the same thing I've got to put myself out there I've got to network I've got to adapt I've got to find I've got to ask the questions and so that was one of the reasons that I wanted to ask you all the questions tonight is because I know that I'm not the only one and I'd like to use myself as the example that sure. you know it, it, it's a difficult thing it's not something that's easy and there's just a lot of questions because you could have mentors in different areas of your life, I think. Absolutely. And so, like you said, trying to figure out exactly what it is I'm looking for. Yeah, that's a great point because you may have mentors that are going to be more, maybe better suited from a personal standpoint than from a professional and, and vice versa. You may have somebody that might be better suited in helping you with uh, professional challenges and maybe personal challenges. Uh, you're, when you find that individual who's special and capable of 
doing both, um, then you've kind of hit the gold mine. And um, I, as I mentioned, and it sounds like Mike as well, uh, you know, had the, the pleasure and been very blessed to run into those individuals. Unfortunately, both of those have since passed. And, you know, I constantly kind of look for people that might be mentors in different ways today. Um, but I, I see, I, I definitely see the challenges that you run into. Uh, but again, the first thing you can't do is be introvert. Um, this is when the time you've got to be a little bit more extrovert. You've got to get out there and you've got to approach these individuals. And, and if you ask a couple questions, you'll know automatically whether they're a coach, they're going to train you, they're going to counsel you, or they're going to mentor you. Yeah. Just based on the, the response that they give. And you might do that to kind of like throw it out there a couple of times to several different individuals until you find that one who's really willing to listen and be that active listener. And we've talked about the role of an active listener. A mentor's job really is sometimes shutting up and just listening. Yeah, I don't need to be told that I use the knife hand. I already got that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's a coach. Yeah. Exactly. No, but it brings up a really good point, and I'm glad that you kind of brought it up because there are several people out there, especially one of the things that I found challenging was I was trying to find when I separated from the military a in, an individual to be a mentor that had separated from the military as an enlisted individual, had rose in the corporate ladder, and I couldn't find them anywhere in the yellow book in Google or Yahoo. It was just difficult to try to find. Well, that was because I had narrowed my search down so finite that there was no way that I was probably going to find that in my sphere of influence or those people that were part of my network. Um, instead, what I had to do was open myself up that I had individuals that could help me with that. They were right there in front of me, and maybe they weren't an enlisted soldier. Maybe they weren't even a soldier at all, but they had those little pieces that, I, that could help me get through some of the challenges that I was experiencing. And when I opened myself up to that, it, it became more apparent. Right. I, I was very naive when I retired thinking that I had come out of headquarters Marine Corps, I had worked around generals and SESs, and I really thought that transitioning into the civilian world would be easy for me as compared to the guys that I worked with who are recon Marines who do shoot people in the face. And um, I find that on a different level that I still have the same struggles that they had when they retired, um, communication and, and things like that. I've never had the luxury of shooting someone in the face, but um, I think that we, even though you, you know, uh, Rudy and Mike, you, you lived in that world and I didn't, I still think there are still a few things that we do have in common when we retired after serving so long. I, I think there's a lot of things we have in common, Susan, and, and regardless yeah. of, of Rudy's glorifying it, just keep in mind that <laughs> shooting people in the face has its own stigma attached to uh, it and, and, and its own Not emotional good, its own emotional injury that's attached to it and uh and and it's probably better for another podcast but you know i understand what you're saying yeah actually it is going to be a, a future one but uh you know that that's a true point i think that that's where i guess what i'm trying to um to state as well is that in many cases there's probably a lot more commonality than there are differences and there are a lot more things that um, people do when trying to define what a coach is or what a mentor is. And if we just really start thinking about the definitions of those things and what those individuals can do for us, um, <clears throat> we might be open then to understanding that 
they're right there in front of us, or they could be right there in front of us. And if we're we're very, if you're very fortunate that you can already just through this podcast start thinking of individuals that fit those roles, um, then great. Reach out to them for the challenges that you might be having. Um, if you can, again, that's where you kind of need to start building. Maybe either you need to open yourself up a little bit more and come out of your shell and kind of move forward, or, or it's that you need to kind of start looking at your network and maybe building upon your network a little bit more. Establish that network so you can find that mentor that's kind of within. Um, you know, so in, in summary, I really want to talk about again what the differences are for a coach. The specific goals for change are most important. The coach kind of supports the person as they receive feedback, try new behaviors, learn new roles, or explore new possibilities to be more effective within the agreed success parameters of whatever that was that the coach, maybe the manager, and the person being coached agreed upon. So those goals are therefore well-defined, and the conversation happens with a clear focus and specific timelines. In a mentor's case, though, the focus is on the individual and the conversation really transcends more broadly into the general work life. This means the interaction can be more philosophical, more focused on attitudes and behaviors than than kind of focusing on the specific skills like a coach would. Of course, these could, uh, you know, all have the same level of focus and timelines, but the entire individual is the topic of discussion. And that's what the mentor really does is focus on the individual and on what they're trying to say, offer good, sound advice or experience that they, uh, they have and wisdom that they may have from their own experiences and being willing open uh, to share that to the mentee and really kind of exploring and, and not being so task-oriented. So those are the differences between a coach and a mentor. And I hope that if anything else as you, that you take away from the podcast, it's just those two definitions. And when you start seeking individuals that you may want to look for as a coach or as a mentor, um, these definitions then help you find um, a solution to whatever it is that you're wanting to overcome, the challenges, uh, whether it might be uh, you know more behavioral or performance-related uh, or more connected to just trying to move forward and advance your career or those types of things as well. So uh, on behalf of Mike Pritz, Susan Dayode, and uh, Rudy Lindsay, I'm Robert Gowan, and I really appreciate everybody joining us in the Mixler chat room. Be sure to check out some of our services that we have at Mentors for Military. Our website's mentorsformilitary.com, and that's mentors, F-O-R, military.com. You can check out the podcast, our services, Give us some feedback on our shows. Thank you so much again for listening, and uh, we'll see you again in a couple days.